free my mind Open my heart with the whispers of truth To live a conscious life To live a conscious life On the growing edge And now, here's Allie. Good morning and hello. I am Dr. Allie Benjamin and welcome to Growing Edge Live. It is my great honor to be here today and whether you're here for the first time, welcome, or you're back, I'm so happy that you're here. Today we've got an amazing show a conversation with a beautiful person, Karen Russo, and you'll get to meet her shortly. So we're all about inspiring minds, healing hearts, and transforming lives. And each week I bring a guest, a unique individual that is channeling their time, their energy, their love, their creativity, their resources, their joy, everything into creating good work in the world. And today, and just like all the other episodes, this individual will share with you some of her unique insights, downloads, inspiration um, to help us because we all need help and we all need clarity. And I think that we gain that from hearing each other's stories. So I'm so glad that you're here today. And I invite you to join me in taking a deep grounding and centering breath as you fully accept the invitation to listen and to be here now. So, as always, I start the show out with the Ask Ali segment. I invite people to send me questions that they may have in regards to their spiritual growth and development or anything. And today I have a question from Will. And Will says, I'm feeling pretty helpless as I see all the chaos and division in the world. I have an intention to contribute to making a better, more peaceful world for everyone. But I have doubts after seeing what the world has been like over the past several years. Does my thinking really matter in the world? Can I make a significant impact? Please share your thoughts. Thank you. Well, thanks, Will. This question in some shape or form has been asked several times since we've been doing the show. And I think all of us are feeling um, some degree of confusion or helplessness about what we can do in our little corner of the playground or our corner of the world, in our life, in our everyday life, what can we do to make an impact, to make a difference? And what I know is that this time, probably like many times in the past, have been a call to rise up, a call to awaken to our true self. And those of us in New Thought and those of us that are on a personal journey of growth and development are being asked to wake up to who we truly are because we live in an amazing world. It's more than what we see out here. It's more than just our little personal body and our lives and relationships. There's a lot going on. 
And there's even more. There's an invisible aspect to what's going on. There's an invisible aspect to who we are. It's this ineffable spiritual dimension. And so we're being asked or called to wake up to this greater sense of self, this true I am presence. Because I believe that once we occupy our true identity as a spiritual being, then we're going to affect everyone around us and somehow subtly, energetically, we will invite others to awaken, to step up. I like to think of a circle, kind of a teaching symbol here, a circle with a line through the middle and there's a below the line and above the line. And I believe as we do some self-discovery work, depth work, as we begin to meditate and, and research and study uh, spiritual texts and self-help and self-empowerment material, we begin to see the importance of being above the line, meaning being on the positive side of things, giving attention to those more fearful sides and thoughts of our, our experience, but really rising up and being in that place of creativity, of potentiality. And so you ask, do I make a difference? And the answer is yes. We all affect everything else, just like what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on in other parts of the world, to the Ukraine. There's many areas that of the world that are experiencing great turmoil and here, right here in America. But as we, as we wake up, as we start to see what's really going on as a, a cry for help, a, a call for, for more peace and unity in our thinking, we begin to see the importance that just as those things are going on in the world and affect us right where we are, we, right where we are, can, can add and aid to the peace and the love and the creativity that's going on there. And so, yeah, it may feel like in our little room or our house or our life that we can't possibly make a big impact, but we do. And it starts with each and every one of us. Just like Gandhi said, we be the change we wish to see in the world. It's subtle, but it's deep and it affects consciousness. And as enough of us start to wake up to realize there's only one thing happening here. It's this thing called life. It's this thing called spirit. And as we start to identify or occupy that place of being an awakened spiritual being connected to every other sentient being on the planet, we begin to feel a natural tendency or urge to express in our most authentic power. And so we stay above the line because we know that we are a causative point in the world, meaning what's happening in here. Are we feeling love? Are we feeling compassion? Are we feeling creative? Are we feeling hopeful? And when we stay in that above the line place, that we affect people in our lives and they affect the people in their lives and so on and so on and so on. And so it's 
I remember this one friend of mine when I was new into science of mind said to me, not one of us have the luxury of a single negative thought. And I used to think at the time, I, I didn't really get the power of that. But just remembering that, that we get to choose the quality of our thinking. We get to choose where we focus our energy and attention. And claiming that, that power, claiming our ability to choose and making sure that we're, we're thinking empowering thoughts, that we're encouraging those around us to focus on what, what, what good there is in the world. There's probably more peace in the world than there is war. I know that. There's probably more hope than there is whatever's the opposite of hope. There's more love than anything else because really that's all there is. And as we remove the barriers to love's presence, meaning as we remove the doubt, as we remove the fear, as we remove the uncertainty and we step into that place of I know who I am in truth as a spiritual being having a human experience. And I know that right where I am, right where you are, Will, and right where all of us are, we have tremendous power. We have tremendous ability to clarify our purpose. And we have the opportunity to assume a poised position, meaning a powerful, relaxed, calm, an easy manner, knowing that there's something within us that knows the truth. There's something within us that knows what to do next. And so, Will, I encourage you to spend a little extra time, a few minutes a day, tuning into that part of you that knows, that witnessing presence that knows. Elizabeth Gilbert, the great author, she always starts her morning out with journaling and she says, love, what do I need to know today? And so I invite you to do that every morning. Tune in, tune into that higher self, that part of you that knows, the God self, the universe, whatever you call it, and say, what do I need to know today? And then listen. And when you can, can become still enough and quiet enough, you'll hear that still small voice that gives you really good insight, really good ideas on how you can be and what you can do to bring more peace into your mind, into your heart, into your body, and hence into the rest of the world. So peace and blessings to you. You're in our prayers and we are holding the high watch for you here at Growing Edge Live. So thanks, Will. And if anyone else has a question, please send it to Growing Edge Live Gmail and we'll get to it. So moving on. So next I have the great joy in introducing a friend of mine, Karen Russo, who I met many years ago. Uh, I don't know that she remembers our first meeting because I was sort of in the audience and she was on the stage. We were at a Kendall Summerhawk um, thing in Tucson. And this was, I don't know, 20, 15, 20 years a ago. A while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she was presenting 
and I was fairly new to the world of, you know, I've been on my spiritual path for some time, but I hadn't really brought it into my business. And so I was there learning how about branding and prosperity consciousness and, and there you were. And so we met there and then over the course of, of the, la the, the next few years, our paths have crossed and big sky, you were there presenting. And so Karen is the author of The Money Keys and she is an ordained minister. She is, has worked with so many people, so many um, as she's traveled around the, the country, the world, presenting as a keynote speaker. She's also presented at, at different retreats and workshops. And she's always has this energy of, of power and confidence and elegance. And she really has her stuff together. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's how I feel when I'm with you. And um, she also talks about her hair which I must, you know, look at us both. We're both sporting the platinum, which I'm really, you know, loving. I, I could do a whole show on just oh, how seriously. it is <laughs> to let it free. Yes. Um, so we'll get to that. So Karen, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Allie. Thank you, Allie, for having me here. And uh, I do absolutely think that we could do an entire show just on the nature of our hair and the journey <laughs> that we take with it. It's got so much spiritual uh, symbol symbology. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, Michael, my husband and I, we, we went, we sold our house and we hit the road about, I don't know, three years ago now, I get four years ago now. And at that time I was thinking living in a camper van, I'm not gonna be able to dry my hair. Oh my God, what am I gonna do? So I shaved my head. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and so that was a whole, you know, journey. And so maybe we'll, you know, we'll get to the hair stories yeah. in a while. But before we do, you know, there's so much, I, I, I've been looking at your bio and reading, you know, all the years you have an MBA from Columbia University. You've been a top-selling person. You've been a corporate trainer you, and then an ordained minister. You, there's so much to you, so much dimension to, to who you are and what you do. And you also are very um, open and vulnerable about sharing your personal journey, yeah. the losses you've had, um, the things that, the, the struggles that you've had. You talk about recovery. You talk about losing your brother. I mean, there's there's a lot there. And, you know, this Enneagram 4 here, I love deep, juicy stories and people being authentic. So I love this and I'd love to know more about you. And how did you get to be where you are today? You know, we talk about the growing edge here. Like, where are you now and how did you get here? How did you get here? Well, thank you so much. So just thank you so much for having me. And and whenever I think about where has the journey taken me and what's the growing edge now, for me, the theme is always it's integration. And <clears throat> with my personality, it's the dark and the light, the spiritual and the material. Uh, those are the things I'm always interested in how things that seem to be so separate, how do they come together? And so that's how my spiritual journey and my business professional financial journey came together is because this theme of integration has been there all the time. 
And so I'll give a little bit of the background story. So uh, I came up, I grew up on the East Coast of the United States in a very classic uh, middle-class, high-ethic uh, family and environment. And the really positive thing about my family growing up is we were taught this very simple ethic about if you work hard and then we pay taxes, we can go to the library and um, things work out fairly for us. Now, today we could break that down so much and say, was there, you know, is there white privilege in that? Um, you know, am I buying into some kind of capitalistic, you know, um, mindset or system? All I knew as a kid is there was something ethical and fair seeming about life and it was positive. So I, I choose to take the positive part of that. So that was there. And then at the same time, there was tremendous challenges in the family. So, you know, you look back and of course you see it with more context and understanding, but just, you know, challenges, emotional and some uh, violence and addictions and other things. And so the way I, I, engaged with that is as a kid, I was that, um, I've got my hand up, you know, um, I had just, I was like the perfect little student girl, the little, I think I came out of the womb pointing to a flip chart or a chalkboard or a PowerPoint, whatever, you know, like I was so totally had that student teacher thing. And then I also had my own challenges with, um, alcohol and just, and then I did things that contributed to horrific feelings about myself. And I was the good girl by day. And I went to college and I got an MBA, but I was very much the bad girl by night. And so at a certain point in my late 20s, that's when I found the 12-step uh, recovery programs. And that started the spiritual journey. Simultaneously, I was in business school and an MBA and started working for a bank. So those two journeys, Allie, like those two journeys um, started to come together. I kept things very separate for a while, but as they came together, that's really where I would say my life took off. Mm -hmm. So what did you have? A Was there religion in your world as a little one? That's such a great question. You know, um, I would say we were casual suburban Catholics. Like my mom would take me to a church on kind of Christmas time and maybe Easter. And I had learned about the idea of grace and I had some feeling of a connection to something greater and some questioning about the religious uh, modalities and teaching. So there's just a little hint of that, but it wasn't until I had my own true spiritual awakening, which is I had been moved for a job I was still, I was still drinking and kind of trying to control it. And there was an emptiness inside me. And I had always lived on the East coast and we were, I was, had been moved to uh, Los Angeles. So I was on the West coast of the United States and I went out and I saw the sun set over the ocean, which I had never really seen. Right. Cause just, and I remember standing there and I just had this moment where I realized, you know, we're all we're alone, but we're not alone. And that, like, that's not, it's not science of mind teaching, but that was spiritual for me, which is like all of these things that I think I should do, like 
be liked by people or do a good job or all this stuff doesn't really matter because I'm part of something that's more than that. And that, like that energy of like, there's something greater than the material. I felt it, not just heard about, I felt it. And that began, I didn't know it at the time, but that was the beginning of the spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you had already been in the 12 steps. You'd already sort of, a, I'm imagining, developed a relationship with a higher power because, mm -hmm. you know, that's what, I think that's the lingo, right? Um, and so coming from a casual Catholic, you know, ideal of God to this this new sense of higher power and then having this sun sunset experience which yeah you saw the sun rises on the east yeah coast, exactly right? exactly and so so had you found science of mind at this point or it was shortly thereafter that i was going to um to see a therapist and i think she was just exacerbated by me because i i had the <laughs> same i had like problems that seemed to be recurring there were always somebody else's fault and she said you know I heard about this place called Agape on Olympic Boulevard in Los Angeles. And at the time it was, so the Agape Center with Dr. Michael Beckwith, this was a science of mind church at the time, uh, was just a hop and happen in place. And you had to <laughs> find a parking spot and get there early. And, you know, I walked in and I was like, wow, what is this? It's so like the people are so happy and it's this multicultural thing. And, I sat down next to this guy who um, he he had a little fanny pack on. We were squeezed in tight and he was kind of a hippie and he just kept jostling every time he was touched by the spirit. And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to do anything. But by the end, he's like hugging me. And <laughs> I just anyway, I never, never left. So then I started coming five times a week to and took all the classes and became a licensed practitioner, which is a spiritual counselor. And then eventually went into the school of ministry. You know, anything that I I, I felt a sense of the presence of a God of my own understanding, which is this full oneness. I also got excited because it's the idea that God is greater than my mental ideas. Like that, you know, I'd always been smart intellectually, but the the concept of infinite mind, always more to be revealed, that to me was a real medicine. And so... I just jumped in and the way I jump into things is I learn about it and then I want to teach it and then I want to do it and apply it. So that, that was my path. Okay. So, oh my gosh, this is such a great conversation. I, I too lived in California and I too, well, I didn't first start out with Agape, but we lived in Big Bear Lake and we would drive down to Agape a couple of times a year and get a hit on that. And it really truly is a phenomena, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it is an amazing thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm whew, I, lost in a memory, lost in a feeling. So, as your no, so when did you do the business stuff? So, if you're in yeah. agape, when did you do the the? You so know, the this was stuff? this was kind of my like the integration theme is I was always simultaneously, I was simultaneously while I was at agape, I was working full time. I was at a bank in Los Angeles and then that didn't feel like a fit. So I went to start to sell corporate training services. And so I sold corporate training for a couple of years. And then they said, we need someone to fill in to teach a class. Can you, 
can you um, go teach a leadership class? And I was like, sure, I guess I could do that. So then I started doing the teaching and eventually ended up having a 30 plus year career doing, it turns out, subcontractor corporate training. So I would travel around and teach a class in a sales class or a leadership class for a corporation. And then at night I would go to the, you know, take my things at Agape and that, you know, and then I'd, you know, go to a 12 step meeting. So, I mean, I was just a very, very full life and a full immersion, but I always was one of those ones who always had work and I always was working in corporate and business environments. And I think this is going to be interesting for you is that even back then, what I noticed is, and it certainly evolved over the years because it wasn't until the early 2000s. So I had met the big fella uh, and we, I had moved to Arizona, which is where I am now. I'm in Arizona. And just after we had gotten married, we started to, we were both very active in um, science of mind. At this point, I'm at the new vision center in um, North Phoenix, Arizona, and very involved in centers of spiritual living and all that. But Bill and I also started to go to all these uh, wealth building workshops. So some of you went to those workshops where you're like, <laughs> got a thousand people, we're going to hit the boards and we're going to cl clear the chairs and you've got a millionaire mind. Yeah. <laughs> so we did a ton of that stuff too. And what I started to, it came clear to me that in the spiritual environment, so at the spiritual centers, I would connect with so many people who had such an aspirational thirst and commitment for the consciousness of abundance, for the oneness with um, the sufficiency and an understanding of affirmative prayer and um, how to engage in spiritual practices, comma, but like couldn't pay their rent, always had problems with money, um, blamed other people for it. Like, you know, thought the money system was polluted, uh, you know, couldn't get out of debt didn't know what to charge was, you know, couldn't do more than a love offering. I'm just being a little bit real, like just really struggled with money. And then we would go to these wealth building workshops and we would see people who had tons of tactical things going on. So we're going to invest in this. We're going to do that. I use this system. I use that system. I track my money. I do this. I do that. And a lot of mindset. I've got a millionaire mind. You know, I this is how rich people think, and this is how poor people think, and I'm gonna choose the rich people. But, comma, but very disconnected from the idea of surrendering to something greater, that being part of a larger connection, uh, you know, a generosity that is not based on personality and effort. And so you can kind of feel those two things, those two communities. Um, one, each one was had something that was missing, and so that is how the um, the money keys was born. It was the um, the uh, the question really is: Is there a holistic approach to money that includes the mystic, the mindset, and the money itself? Wow. Well, I want to talk more about this. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about that. You know, I, my head's spinning because there's the Enneagram one, there's the black and the white, there's the spiritual and the business. And it's like, you know, I'm imagining the people in the, you know, the corporate world, 
that are detached from their spiritual side, you know, how you might show up and present to them and then whoop, flip over to the spiritual folk. And then you're wearing that hat of the, the financial, you know, guru or expert or teacher and how, you know, how those two worlds and the flipping back and forth. So we'll, we'll come back and talk more about that. Thanks. Okay. See you in a minute. Free my mind, open my heart with the whispers of truth to live a conscious life, to live a conscious life on the growing edge. And now, here's Allie. And we're back. So let's talk a little bit more about how these two worlds come together. And um, let me know a little bit more about how you show up in one world and how you show up in yeah. the other. And, and is that fun? Because it, it seems like it might be, you know, variety is the spice of life, life type of thing. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a really interesting philosophic and practical path to be in a variety of environments with different emphasis and to be both authentic, but also to be read the room, the kids would say, you know, appropriate to what's going on. And I will say that 30 years ago, 20 years ago, when all of this started, there was a lot more conversation, like there'd be people who say, I want to take these spiritual principles and I want to smuggle them in to the corporate, to corporate America because it's so soulless and empty and whatever. And I remember at the time I heard someone say that and they didn't say exactly that, but I heard that idea. And I remember thinking, if we're practicing the oneness, then even in the corporate America thing where someone's interested in profit and efficiencies, the infinite presence of God is there. Like, what are we, you know, are we starting with the premise that it's not there and we have to lug it in? If so, that's not, that's not a great come from. It's kind of similar to, um, I worked with a beautiful spiritual leader around her consciousness and experience of money. And she was the one who said, you know what I realized is I've had this idea that the money system is polluted. And so I have to keep my pristine energy separate from it so I don't get besmirched. And it was so good to realize if you have that belief, then naturally she had years of unreconciled tax things. You know, she was never quite collecting fully the nine weeks of payments for her classes. You know, there's just like, she didn't have a robust experience of money because she was pushing it away, you know, in order to not get the pollution. So it, just for her, it was, wait a second, I'm going to see and bring and realize that the infinite, the pristine, the clean, the light, it's in everything. So I'm going to pull it out of my experience with money rather than push the money away. Mm -hmm. So very similar. Can you, you can kind of hear that. It's like, that's part of the dynamic is not to feel that um, I'm going to sully the church if I talk about money, or I'm going to um, have to you know, help the heathens in the corporate area because they're so soulless. Yeah. Yeah. Us and them, you know, there's this separation. I, you know, and I'm, I, I'm getting the sense these days that younger, the younger generations, they don't have this no. such black and white thinking no. or, you know, it's 
categorizing everything or compartmentalizing things. It's more, everything's blended and everything, they seem to be more integrated. You use that yeah. word. Yeah, and integrated even even connotes that there's two things you have to put together. I think blended's a great energy for it. That's how our lives are now. So yeah. I would say if anyone, particularly if there are folks who've got, if you have a spiritual message, completely expect that it's going to be well-received and there's an application for it in any environment. So both Allie and I know um, the beautiful Reverend Cynthia James, she's doing leadership classes with various governmental groups. It's not a secret thing because she's going in and talking about uh, emotional intelligence and leadership principles that are relevant if you are in a in an institution and you're leading people. So today's world has so much more. So just think about it. We can, you know, on our devices, we can pick up our work email anywhere and work on it. Um, when we're at work, we can take a break to go to the, you know, to take a prayer, to do a mental health break. The employee assistance group is going to be talking to us about everything from hydration to, um, you know, to positive thinking. I just did um, some corporate work at an organization that rhymes with uh, Shamazon. You'll let me <laughs> oh. um, And the, it's not a secret that they're doing leadership and communication and empowerment work because their number one asset is their people and helping people to take care of themselves and to be able to be good leaders and take care of others is essential for their business. So this is just like, I want everyone to kind of go like, oh, like even with, you know, Will's question earlier, like the thoughts that I have and the activities that I do are relevant to every aspect of life. So these days I am very, and even with, um, you know, with being in, uh, after the pandemic and people working from home and doing things on Zoom and what's the future of what does church look like and what does uh, classes look like and how can we do it hybrid, is that it does seem to me that life is more, it's more blended, that the clothes that we wear and how we show up and who we are is very much authentically the same. We may use different language and have different applications in different places, and yet... Um, the world and work and every environment is calling for us to be the best of ourselves. Yeah. So talking about the pandemic and, you know, what happened during those times and how we were all, we all shifted and changed. And, you know, like you're saying, the clothes we wear and, you know, showing up and doing work out of the house or on our phone or, or how, how has that changed as, as you go out and present and you work with individuals and you, you create programs for people. Yeah. Are there different money issues now because of all of that? That's a, it's a great, it's a great question to think about what, what are the distinctions and where are things going is a good, is a good question. Mm. So I will say that, um, especially for entrepreneurs. So for a long time too, my, my core clients and audiences have been spiritual seekers creative folks and entrepreneurs. So especially just as you described, Ali, it's like I went to that Kendall Summerhawk thing because I, I had spiritual ideas, but I had to learn about branding and business and how to create a program and all of that. So those are often my, my folks. And the world now for entrepreneurs and creative professionals is very much 
how to understand. It's a different understanding about what is value. Who, who are you offering what to, how is it of value and benefit to them? And then what's the financial exchange that comes with it? And so I just see a definitely a trend of people being creative and being able to do things that you never thought you could do online that are now online and being able to understand how, if I deliver something that's of value, how can I, positive words, leverage it so that I might deliver it to a small group instead of one-on-one? Or how can I do a combination of those two things? Or how can I have um, a an idea or a piece of work and then repurpose it for other things? Those kinds of questions like, how do I repurpose it? Is it one to many? Um, how can I offer it online? Can people do it as a self-study? Everybody, whether you are, you know, whatever your topic area is, everybody is becoming a little bit more of a you know, a person who's got a gig and got a thing and got a side hustle and, uh, you know, needs to know how to navigate emails and Facebook and StreamYard and all of that. So I just think there's, um, there's more opportunity for people and there's more creativity that's available. And we've also all realized that um, many, many people have just shifted how they think about money and work and one of the things I'm excited to see is that there's a whole shift too in how we think about service work and the respect we have for not paying, you know, paying people a living wage to do to do the hard things of delivering us our food or, you know, taking care of kids or doing things that that are essential for society. It's like that work is so important. And I think that's also a trend of like a deeper respect for how we financially care for one another. Yeah. There's so much in what you said that I would love to pick up and, you know, pick apart. Um, you know, being being someone that, that had a brick and mortar spiritual center, we were always seeking to attract younger people. Mm. And in our, our church, we actually had a, big, a large amount of younger people, which was great. Uh, but there was always that question of, so this is kind of a blend, another blend. A lot of younger folk, and I have children that are in their mid-30s and grandchildren, 13 and younger, and they get so much online for free. Hmm. So, you know, sitting at board tables, talking about, you know, spiritual center and just being out there in the world and knowing that people are finding so much content, so much teaching, so much available for free. Like, how do we, like, well, how do we reach the younger generation? You and I are probably 60-ish. Um, how do we reach the younger generation and, and give them, you know, from our hearts, um, something that they can't get for free? Yeah. And how, how, you know, are people of that, of younger generations willing to pay? And I'm, I'm not, I'm just talking very generally, you know, yeah. from offering basket to, to taking a seminar to, to, you know, like how, how are they spending their money and yeah. how do we fit in our generation? How do we like play in that, the playground together in that way? Yes. The question of what can we offer that is different than what you can simply get online for free that you can just see on 
Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, just like the things you can just act, you can access. I think the thing that can be offered is application and community. So it's one thing to learn a principle or to see a great talk by a Brene Brown or to um, watch a TED talk or get a piece of information or see affirmations. But application is, what does this really mean? What does it really mean to me? And then the so what of it. So what am I going to be or do or change about my own life? And that process still takes place. There's still a value for that process taking place in community or with guidance. And so that's what I think it's um, it's a little counterintuitive that we give away so much free information but there has to be a time where you say it's wonderful to get the information and here it is information, but in order for you to apply it, you need to take steps and action in your own life. And I think it's that understanding. It's like the value of application. So that would be in our marketing. I think it needs to be more testimonies, more um, examples like that, that sells rather than, and I think in, in, not-for-profits and spiritual centers, we all know that people don't give to need, they give to vision and mission and results. So rather than saying like our church needs air conditioners, it's an Arizona thing, um, <laughs> You, we would say- yeah, here in Utah, we've got snow. Exactly, we need, yeah. So <laughs> it's not so much that, but it's um, our community was able to help um, this couple get out of their, they were expected by homelessness. And because we offered them support and guidance and they became confident and understood differently who they are, they've been able to move their first step into um, shelter and work like that. Like I want to contribute to an organization that cares about that. So it's, there's something about the results and the testimonies and the stories that I think is the the way to market and to show value. And I do think young people are spending money. Like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of personal growth and spiritual teacher and gurus and others that are offering programs that are, you know, expensive. I don't know what that means, but um, are in the hundreds and thousands of dollars that people attend and want to do. So I, I think there's, I think there's value to be given and money to be received. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a complicated world, don't we? You know, I see my, my granddaughter and her friends and they're so, you know, connected to their, their screens, their devices, and there's less of a sense of a community. I guess there is in sports and, you know, activities, extracurricular activities, and I'm just wondering how it will look in the future as, you know, we of our generation and, you know, a little younger and a little older, we do bring, we hold that the importance of gathering, of, of yeah. being together. Of, and I think that that is a gift that, that we can share somehow with, with the younger generation that, you know, I think of my, my nephew during COVID, he, the three of them, my, my two nephews and niece, they didn't go to school yeah. for a whole year. 
or even longer they didn't do they didn't get together they were locked in their rooms with their you know playing the video games or what have you and they missed out on being to, together and being connected and so you know i'm just going with that but i'm just you know wondering what yeah. it's going to look like in the future and, and what's ours to bring to the younger generations in terms of the wisdom that we carry with you know in the business worlds in the spirit spiritual worlds so yeah. i'm going to switch gears a second um so you work with people one-on-one -on -one. you you offer classes and courses and such and what do you see that's the big the biggest issue and maybe you could share a personal thing too. Was there something that you learned? And once you learned that thing, like it was like opening a, a door into a new reality, is there something that we need to know? What's that foundational one or two things that makes all the difference for us yeah. as far as financial liberation goes? Yes. Well, I would say um, my lesson and the great lesson for so many of the people it looks very different for different people, but it's this core lesson. Money worries are more of a faith issue than a financial one. Wow. So it can so much seem like if I have a challenge around money, if I just had more money, then the challenge would go away. Mm -hmm. But what I want to say is that the challenge around money, the sense of fear, or if it's shame or anger about something from the past, or if it's a sense of overwhelm with the tasks that you have to do, those worries, those fears, that anger, all of those things are some form of separation. It's separation from spiritual truth, from abundance, from sufficiency, from freedom, from peace, from circulation. And so um, that I think, so for me right now, the lesson that I'm learning, huh, so I did have, I think Allie doesn't know this, but um, in addition to, you know, I lost my brother seven years ago, lost my father. My mother passed just three mm. weeks ago. I know. Just, oh. I, I know. And it was, you know, it was, it, it, it was her time to go and it was sudden in how it happened. And so now um, I am the, uh, I'm leading the family estate. And so got a, it's a whole, it's a whole different thing. And I could feel the fear rising up like, oh, God, these accounts are going to be in different names. And how am I going to track this? And what's going to happen? And will it? And I could feel the fear. And it was like, girl, money worries. They're a faith issue, not a financial <laughs> one. Like the money's going to be fine. The assets are going to be fine. The There's going to be nothing is contentious. And then I had to really, really remember that like the infinite mind of God knows every detail and the affirmation I've been working with is the grace of God is the great reality of my life. Mm -hmm. All actions, decisions, details are saturated with divine intelligence and a consciousness of abundance. Every day there's less fear and there's more progress. Like that's been my affirmation. And so just, Beautiful. yeah. And so for everyone, like what, what am I, you know, what does a person in my position do? I'm going through the 21 day spiritual money jumpstart with that project mm -hmm. so that at the end of 21 days, my intention is, is to have a less fearful approach to the family estate. And I also have a very practical goal of getting, you know, the four major accounts in the name of the estate and me having online access to them. 
So that's kind of, that's what I want to just say to people is like the growing edge is application. And so if people are interested and we've been putting up the money keys, uh, the money keys website, which is a great place to go to get the free information that will get you started. And if people want to join us, the 21 day money keys jumpstart is always available as a self-study program. But for folks who are tuning into this, uh, in January, 2024, we're going to do it together starting January 15th, going through February 4th. So it's great. Um, uh, our team just put up the uh, 21 day program there. So, yeah, so you people can always uh, sign up to receive that self-study program. Um, but if you sign up uh, now and you want to join us starting in just about a week, um, we're all going to do the lessons on our own. And then Allie, we're going to do our connection through a WhatsApp channel. And that's what I see is for people creating connection these days. It's through things like an intensive 21 days on WhatsApp together, where we're sharing our, what's your statement for the 21 days? How are you doing? How did your lesson go this morning? Like that's how people are connecting. Wow. And so that's like a texting thread that everyone can exactly. contributes to. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So what can you, so tell us a little bit more of some of the results that people get from doing this 21 day challenge or program. Yes. So the results are usually in one of a couple of buckets. One is people have like big spiritual breakthrough. So all of a sudden they, the, the sense of um, shame about a past financial decision truly drops away. And they feel instead of stuck all the time, they feel empowered to take action. So like, like you could, that, and that's a worthy goal. What if in 21 days I released all the shame about how I handled my divorce? Like, mm. wouldn't that be great? The other thing that happens is sometimes people have a very practical experience of raising their rates by at least 15 to 20%, because I guarantee you, whoever you are, you could raise your rates by 15 to 20%. Like raising your rates and getting your first client at your higher rate and just being able to say to people, I'm up-leveling the professionalism in my business and I'm offering um, additional services. So my rates are now, boom, fill in the blank. So like getting your first client at the new rate, that's often a, a big breakthrough for folks. And then sometimes people will be like me, you have a financial project, um, a legal or a cleanup project or a reconciliation or a tax thing. And you're like, in 21 days, I am going to stop procrastinating, boom, and I'm going to make progress. Wow, that's it, it's so liberating to to be able to achieve these these goals because money is such a it's so woven into our lives. I mean, it's it really is. And to have issues, to have not enough, or you know, money leaks, or you know, whatever it is that that you're contending with, it's such a um, to have a program, to have a group, to have that kind of accountability for, to, to, to um, achieve particular personal goals is powerful. Yeah. So that starts on the 15th? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. All right. So all of you that, that have those excuses or have an issue or two that might want support, um, Karen's, Karen's your person for yes, this. Indeed. Yes, So I'd like to know, and I always ask my guests, 
there's that song, um, what the world needs now is love, mm. sweet love. And, you know, we all, especially those of our generation, we remember that song and it's sort of a little bit of an anthem song. And, you know, here at the Growing Edge, what does the world need? From your particular vantage point, right where you are, knowing what you know, having experienced all that you've experienced, particularly with the loss of your mother. My goodness, yeah. that's such a yeah. huge thing and such a milestone, a threshold, stepping into a new chapter. Yeah. You know, what does the world need now in these days? Part of the answer is I'm not sure. You know, isn't that good to say, like, I'm not sure. You know, I, but here's what I do know is that the world needs me to keep moving forward. Like that's like, I totally believe that. And that takes a sweet kind of uh, courage. That's not aggression, but it's like the willingness to like, you know, for this purpose, apparently I was born to be here now at this time where there's so much just horror in the world. I loved what you said earlier, but we know there's more love and there's more possibility and there's more supply and there's more creativity and there's more good than there is of the other. And so the other thing that's funny is that in addition to other things I've been focused on in my life, in the last few years, I've become extremely politically active, like knocking on doors and making phone calls. <laughs> and you would think that that would somehow be um, not in alignment with being a minister or something like that. You, you know, but here's what it is, is I, I don't, um, I don't advocate from a, any organizational position. It's just me personally, but in order to yell at the, at the TV less, what I found is I would just join the local group. And I'd be like, okay, we're going to go knock on people's doors. We're going to talk about this issue. And I will tell you that little bit of doing the, doing some activity, writing postcards, making phone calls, um, doing what's called canvassing. When I do that, I feel like I'm doing my part for, for the world that I am longing to create. So I, I just would say whatever your version of, you know, courage or energy or commitment is, is like, keep going. Um, the world needs us not to be frantic, but the world needs us to be engaged. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like this next chapter or this next iteration of Karen is way, is even more integrated, more blended. I mean, that's, that's a bold thing to, to step out in that way and be a, bit of an activist and yeah. you know i think the world i know the world needs us to be active mm -hmm. in standing up for for what's important and what we value and yes. however we can do that you know whether it's a show like going edge live or you know the money keys and and your 21 day program or or canvassing and 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 sharing the good news really because that's what we're all um we all want, we all want a, that beautiful world, the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. That's a book I read by Charles Eisenstein, he, mm. Sacred Economics. I don't know if you've read yeah. that one. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's, that's our call to action here today is to step out, be a bit more brave and courageous in, 
in standing up for what's most important to us at this time. Oh, and we're right at the end. So, oh, blessings to you. Um, yes. And thank you, everyone, for watching. Tune in next week as we have uh, James Mellon with us. I'm really excited about that. And thank you, Michael, our producer, and New Thought Media Network. Peace and blessings. Free my mind, open my heart with the whispers of truth to live a conscious life, to live a conscious life on the growing edge. On the